Today's Bible reading is taken from John 21. You'll find that, you'll find that in the Bibles in, uh, in front of you on page 1088. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the, the, the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple, who Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire, burning, a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back in the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. Now it was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Well, good morning again. Yes, good morning again. <laughs> Two of you are alive. It's been a long year, hasn't it? <laughs> Uh, listen, I was going to start this morning by uh, telling you a story from World War I, so I even had my slides prepared, actually there it is there, uh, not the mood for New Year's Eve, so um, I thought I'd tell you a story about puppies, right, because everybody loves stories about puppies, isn't that right? Thank you. So at the moment in our household, we've got three puppies, we're babysitting a couple of puppies, and uh, we take them out walking and that sort of thing, and uh, puppies love to do not lots of things, but a couple of things quite intensely, and one of those things is chasing other dogs. You know that, right? Everyone knows that? Puppies love chasing other puppies. But uh, it strikes me that though they, they really get into the chase, ears pinned back, they actually don't know what to do once they catch the other puppy. Have you noticed that? 
It's true. Thank you for those two people that have noticed that. <laughs> they never think through what next. wonder how many of you guys will go in to see the fireworks tonight. Um, it's probably too late to get a good spot, isn't it, if you've left it till now. Uh, it, it seems to me, though, um, it's similar with the fireworks, right? You have a strategy about when you're going to go in to get your position. You've got a strategy about how to make it through the afternoon. Uh, you, you wait through the 9 o'clock fireworks. Always a little bit of a letdown uh, until you get to the midnight ones. Fantastic. But after 15 minutes, they're over. And then what are you thinking? Oh, I've got to get home. <laughs> Along with a million other Sydney siders. And there's only like two buses. Because you didn't think what next, did you? You just had in mind the fireworks. Now, I wonder if you've thought clearly in your mind what next when it comes to being a Christian. That is, what you're supposed to do after you become a Christian. Now, now we've made it through Christmas to the other side, hopefully relatively unscathed. It's a good time to make sure that you're doing what you are supposed to be doing. I wonder if you've jotted it down. Uh, whether you've drawn a diagram, whether you've made a mental note of it at all. And if not, which I think is probably most of us, then how can you be 100% confident that you're getting it right, that we're doing what we're meant to be doing as Christian people, having put our faith in the Lord Jesus? It's a very good question to finish a year upon, a good question to be sure about as we turn over the page on our new calendars, on our new years, on our fresh starts. So today we're going to think about that question, what next? Whether you became a Christian just a week ago at Christmas or whether you've been a Christian for many decades, what next? And to do that, I want us to look into John chapter 21. That's the chapter that Rusty just read to us. The final chapter of the magnificent biography of Jesus' life known as John's Gospel. Now in Term 1, 2018, we're going to return to John chapters 5 to 7. But today I want to go to the very end. Many ways, the, the climax of John's Gospel was when Thomas put his fingers in the nail marks in Jesus' hands and was convinced that Jesus had risen from the dead. That was the point at which Thomas stopped doubting and became a Christian but John's gospel doesn't finish with Thomas becoming a Christian in chapter 20. It's got this additional chapter, 21. And really, chapter 21 is preparing the disciples and us, what next? And we, really, we learn two things from chapter 21. After you become a Christian, that is, after you become involved with Jesus, you want to be involved in Jesus' mission, and you want to be involved in Jesus or with Jesus' people, even though that might involve suffering. You want to be involved in his mission. You want to be involved uh, with his people. And so the first thing uh, John 21 shows us is that all Christians ought to expect of themselves to be involved in his mission in one way or another. An old school writer uh, said this of uh, John's gospel. A Christian gospel ends properly, not with just the appearance of the risen Lord to his disciples, nor even with their belief in him, but with a confident statement that his mission to the world, undertaken at his command, will be the means by which many are saved. Now to show us how this is all going to happen, John 21 tells us about a boat with seven dudes in it. Thomas is there. He's a believer. Simon Peter is there. Actually, Peter initiates the trip. There are five other unnamed disciples as well. 
It's about a week or so after Jesus had risen from the dead and they're on a fishing trip in the Sea of Galilee. They've been fishing all night and hadn't caught a thing. Now, I'm not really into fishing, um, but Bruce did take me out once uh, just before I started here and I was very concerned beforehand because I know that Bruce likes to chat and I was thinking, how am I going to keep this conversation going for like four hours on this boat? And I figured that even if I like jumped out the boat, he could just start up the outboard and run alongside me, continuing the conversation. Now, as it turns out, Bruce is very focused when it comes to fishing. There's no time for small talk. It's not a, not a time for idle conversation. It's business. So just imagine, or me imagining sitting on the Sea of Galilee, Sea of Tiberias, all night and catching nothing. Well, that does sound painful. And then to make it worse, a figure on the shore yells out, all right, lads, haven't caught anything all night. And you could imagine they might be just a little bit impatient at this stranger's question, but they just say, nah. But boy, he really pushes the envelope, doesn't he? When he tells them to throw their net onto the other side of the boat. I mean, what sort of a backseat driver slash fisher does he really think he is? And I don't know whether they do it really just to prove him wrong, perhaps. Can you imagine how their, their emotions, their thinking would have changed when instead of expecting to haul up an empty net, they drag a net bursting with 153 large fish. Don't you notice all fishermen love to know the details of the catch, don't they? Dragging them all the way into the shore and at that point realising that it's Jesus. I mean, Peter even jumps out of the boat and wades into the shore amazed. Very strange story to finish your biography of Jesus' life on. What is John trying to tell us by including or concluding with this bizarre event? Well, the first thing really, or the point is that it's not about the fish, is it? Fishing here is not about the fish. You go fishing with Bruce, it's all about the fish. But here, not really about the fish. The story is about Jesus' mission on earth. I mean, you remember one of the first things that Jesus says to these disciples, way back when he picked them out at the start of the gospel, Mark 1, Luke 5, you boys used to catch fish. Come with me and I will show you how to catch people for me. And so having put faith in, a, in an incarnated, a, a born saviour that we celebrated last week, then a crucified one, then a resurrected one. What next does John say? He says, whether you've just become a Christian or you're pressing the reset button at the start of a new year, we're part of Jesus' great mission of dragging people into his kingdom. And that's true whether we are the Apostle Peter or whether we are merely unnamed disciples. But then you, the question is, how does it all work? What's John, John trying to tell us in this story? And I think firstly we learn that things will happen when we trust and obey Jesus' lead rather than trusting ourselves. Now you go back to the start of the story there. Uh, have a look at verse 3. Peter decides it's time to go fishing. The other boys decide to go with them. Maybe they just needed something to eat. Fair enough. Um, maybe they were all up for a bit of a chill out after what had been a reasonably hectic few weeks with Jesus getting arrested, killed, rising again. Maybe they've already lost focus and they've gone back to their pre-Jesus business of fishing as though life would somehow return to normal, as if that could ever be the case with a resurrected saviour. Well, they're sitting in their boats all night long and they don't catch a thing and you just got to think about it and go, these aren't kind of weekend dabblers, 
These are dyed-in-the-wool, rough-as-guts, men who grew up fishing the Sea of Galilee, and yet there was not one fish. They go fishing at Peter's initiative. Zero. Catch nothing. When they go fishing at Jesus' directive, they make a monster catch, 153 big ones. So big, in fact, they can't haul it into the boat. They've got to tow it into the shore. Now, you've got to think about it. It's not like they never thought about just chucking the nets on the other side of the boat. It's not like Jesus had some kind of inside knowledge into the tides and currents that Peter and the other disciples weren't privy to. The point is simply that trusting Jesus is how you're going to make his mission of people becoming Christians happen. There's not even any point in trusting being a part of a growing church. There's no point trusting in a beautifully refurbished building, which is going to happen in 2018. No point trusting in being a believer of many years' standings or having access to technology, know-how, information that churches down the ages have never had access to. All of those things find in themselves, none of them adequate objects of our trust because we trust in Jesus and his lead. And that makes the difference. And that's why we aim to grow God's church here by the gospel, not Bruce's church by our collective ingenuity. And friends, I take it that's the reason why we start our year proper every year by praying for a week. Because the level of prayer is surely a true indicator of our level of dependence on God. If we actually trust Jesus' lead, then we pray that God will open blind eyes. His Holy Spirit will convict hardened hearts in the most likely and unlikely of candidates of the truth of the gospel. So that sounds like something we ought to be doing. When we trust Jesus' lead, then we tell other people about his death, as foolish as that sounds. Don't even skip the stuff about judgment and hell, though we take no delight in talking about it. I mean, no one likes talking about that. But I tell you, there's one thing that I do know. Every person that I meet, every single person, even those I don't meet who just pass by, one thing I know for sure, everyone is immortal headed either for eternal glory with the Lord Jesus, having trusted in him in this life, or to eternal destruction. Pretty sure that's not going to feature in the fireworks display tonight. And of course we talk about life, we talk about hope, because that's precisely what Jesus offers as well. And so we trust his lead as we pray and as we proclaim the gospel. Second thing uh, we need to do to be involved in Jesus' mission of bringing other people into the kingdom, that's what the fish is about, is to obey him in our own lives. Uh, you think about it. The, uh, the disciples knew how to fish that lake, the grown up doing that. So what would have happened if they'd have decided that actually they'd had enough uh, and couldn't be bothered putting up with this comedian on the shore? What would have happened? Go home with zero fish. Only when they obey him did things happen? So as we've just said, of course we need to obey Jesus in what we say, but we need to obey him in what we do, even when it seems silly, even when we think we know better, even when we're not quite sure why Jesus has commanded us to do some things. We still obey them because our obedience does not depend on whether we understand all of his rationale. 
So of course that means obeying him in the way we live. I mean, it's New Year's Eve tonight. I wonder what you'll get yourself up to. But obedience in the way that we live and in the way that we speak and in the way that we think, both in the do's and the positives and in the don'ts, prohibitions, it's going to make a difference in Jesus' mission. So we obey his command. And then thirdly and uh, quickly on this point, I just think we need to raise our expectations and think bigger than normal. I mean, after the disciples had been fishing all night, caught not a single thing, do you reckon they were expecting to catch anything when they just threw their nets onto the other side of the boat? Of course not. Their expectations were so low. And so catching 153 whoppers completely blew their expectations. I reckon that our expectations of what Jesus will do in our world, in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our church, I reckon they're pretty low, aren't they? We're not really expecting Jesus to reach our non-believing husbands or wives or friends or colleagues, classmates. But it wouldn't hurt us to think big. It wouldn't hurt us to act slightly bigger because he can do anything and he can reach anyone New Year brings new opportunities. It also brings new challenges. But have you thought about this? Even challenges are new opportunities because others are watching how we deal with our challenges. So it will make a difference if we think bigger than normal. Well, when you became a Christian, whether that was 10 days ago or 10 years ago or even longer, I wonder if you thought it was just a private matter between you and God or I wonder if you knew that it would mean something much bigger you would have the privilege of being involved in something much bigger than yourself you know in the strongest sense we're just like the disciples from now on we can catch people for Christ we're part of Jesus great mission of hauling others into his great and wonderful kingdom many people as they reflect back on the year just gone look ahead to the year ahead or even just their lives more generally uh, would sum up about their lives that they have lived with quiet desperation because they were not a part of anything bigger than themselves. All of our lives, us humans want to be involved in something bigger than ourselves. Friends, here is our opportunity. This is it. There is a little bit more to this um, I was going to say fish tale, uh, to this fish story, because after the disciples recognize it's Jesus, after they drag the large, the large catch to shore, after they finish eating brekkie with Jesus on the beach, he turns his attention, did you notice this, to one disciple, to Peter in verses 15 to 21. Uh, his birth name was Simon. You might remember Jesus said to him that actually, Simon, you'll be known as Peter the Rock, because I'm going to build my church upon you. Of course, it's the same guy who said to Jesus just a few weeks earlier that no matter if everyone else falls away, I'm going to stay loyal to you. And of course, it's the same Peter who denied that he even knew Jesus at his hour of need, not once but three times. And so they finish eating breakfast and the attention turns back to Peter, except when Jesus speaks to him, did you notice this? He doesn't call him Peter, he calls him Simon. You're not the rock anymore, you're just simple Simon, ouch, must have hurt. 
Jesus asks him three times, actually to the point where it does hurt, Simon, do you love me? The same question, do you love me? Three times in front of the others. But Jesus is not trying to kind of twist the knife. Uh, He's rather forgiving him and restoring him to being the rock once more, to being Peter. Almost as if each question, do you love me, is undoing the three times that Peter betrayed Jesus. Maybe a very public betrayal requires a public reinstatement. Only once sin is dealt with are you in a position to follow Jesus. And Peter answers Jesus each time, you know that I love you, Lord. You know that. To which Jesus replies three times, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Another story about puppies, just because you love them. He used to have a neighbour called Justin, and uh, he was going to go to America for a month, and he said, I want you to look after my little puppy called Bono, stupid name for a dog. Uh, Anyway, as soon as Bono came into my backyard, he climbed under the fence and then ran off took me an hour to find him. And so when I found him, I took him back home. And, and I, you know, you have that ridiculous conversation to a dog as though it speaks English. And you say, Bono, do not do that again. And all Bono can hear is, hmm, Bono, hmm. Immediately he gets into my backyard under the fence and he's off again. And I thought to myself, I do not have the time to chase little mutts all around St. Ives. So I let him roam because I figured he would either come back Or seeing as though my neighbour Justin was in America for about a month, I'd have lots of time to break it to him slowly. (laughs) I found him tied up at the loading dock at the local Woolworths. I don't know what they were planning to do with him. Now when uh, Jesus says, feed my lambs, of course he's not saying, look after my pets. He's actually saying, be involved with my people. Keep them alive. Because turning to Jesus for forgiveness doesn't just mean you have a friendship with Jesus. It now means you have friendship with his people. you got responsibility to Jesus. you also got responsibility to his people. You accept Jesus as your king. You accept his people as your brothers and sisters. He's saying, be involved with my people. Now, uh, for Peter, that meant he would lead Jesus' people, otherwise known as the church. He would feed them by teaching them foundational truths about the Lord Jesus. Interesting, don't you notice that Jesus has to say it three times feed them, take care of them, feed them, because we simply need to be learning and growing as Christians, and for that, we need to be instructed in the scriptures from all sorts of people. Friends, that, that's why coming to church, uh, joining a small group, turning up to your small group, that's not a New Year's resolution, that's an automated decision that you don't need to revisit every week. Because as little lambs like we are, little sheep, we need to learn and we actually need to teach and encourage others. Of course, Peter would do other things maybe that we can't do for Jesus' first followers, uh, playing a pivotal role, protecting the early church from false teaching. In fact, he would die from doing just that. Have Have a read verse 18. Very truly, or truly I tell you, Peter, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, you went wherever you wanted, but now you're old You will stretch out your hands. Somebody else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to Peter, follow me. 
So being involved with Jesus' people is actually going to cost Peter. In fact, he eventually did stretch out his hands as he himself was crucified in Rome. Legend has it that he was crucified upside down because he thought of himself unworthy of a death like his saviour, the Lord Jesus. That's what it meant for Peter. For us, though, it means uh, it's going to cost us in one way or another because being involved with Jesus' people is going to necessarily mean saying no to just pleasing ourselves and yes to pleasing God. And I wonder, Christians, as we head out into a new year, whether that basic implication needs a reset in our lives. You know, it could cost you 10 minutes today if you talk to a newcomer rather than going straight away to your friend. It might cost you 20 minutes this week if uh, you give someone who's having a hard time a call or you go visit them in the hospital, when you could just watch the Big Bash at home. It's on every night, you know, you're not going to miss much. might cost you opportunities if this year you resolve to work honestly rather than operating on the basis of what you know you can get away with. Almost certainly you will take a hit if it becomes widely known that you are a Christian, even though in our culture we're more likely to be pitied than punched. I tell you, if um, you served Jesus' people in other parts of the world, even today, it could cost you way more than that. It wasn't that long ago in a place called Cano, Peru, where terrorists had taken out, uh, and I just use the word taken out because there's kids here, you know what I mean, the pastor of a small village church, and uh, they had also burned the church and they had burned 17 houses, all belonging to the Christians there. So the people had no more church and they had no more pastor and they had no more houses and it was Sunday. So what would they do? Well, they gathered together timidly, I suppose, about 30 of them, standing there in the muddy street to have their service because whatever the cost, they refuse to give up involvement with one another. I would suggest that if you are involved with Jesus' people, it will cost. But if it costs Jesus and it cost Peter, then that cost ought to be acceptable to us as well. Friends, the glory will surely follow. And it's going to cost in the meantime. And I do believe that is the Christian way. So as we finish up today last Sunday of 2017, whether you've been a Christian for uh, decades, you know what you're supposed to be doing. Whether you became a Christian just last week, do you know what next? Be a part of Jesus' great work of drawing others into his kingdom and his family. A simple invitation might be all it takes in 2018. But we will need to trust and obey him, and then I think you can expect big things to happen. I think they will. You've been a Christian for 10 days, 10 years. You know where the action's at. It's with all the other lambs here, all the other sheep who need feeding. You would have heard uh, when Rusty read it that our passage ends with Jesus' invitation, follow me. We've already sung that this morning. I have decided to follow Jesus. If we've taken him up on that invitation... We have agreed to be involved not just with Jesus, but in his mission and with his people, even through the pain and even with the cost. 
Why don't you join with me as I pray now that God might help us to do just that. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you for this end of John's Gospel. Thank you for how it testifies not just to a risen Lord Jesus, not even to the faith of his disciples, but to what next? For us to not only have deep and abiding relationship with you through the Lord Jesus, but to be on mission with you, involved in proclaiming and living out the gospel to a world that's waiting and watching us. Thank you that we also have the great privilege of being involved with your people. Uh, So help us to serve one another and care for one another and love one another and teach and encourage one another in 2018, despite the cost. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.